Hello everyone and welcome to this latest edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine and joining me on the pod this week are Neil Trainers, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist and Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News. Plenty to get our teeth stuck into, so let's start straight away with Good Week, Bad Week. Neil, let's start with you first then. A Good Week or Bad Week? Well, I've gone for the uh, Health and Social Care Board, uh, which for those of our listeners who don't know, is a statutory organisation that commissions health and social care services in Northern Ireland and the Department of Health in the, in that country. And it's a bad week for those two organisations in particular because, of, well, frankly, their failure to commission and adequately fund a, a pharmacy medicine adherence stroke medicines management service, um, which has led in the last week or so to community pharmacists in Northern Ireland voting overwhelmingly to stop providing uh, the adherence service, um, medicines in compliance aids for new, for new patients, of distress, it's for new patients. They voted to stop that for new patients. And that starts from tomorrow uh, following a vote, a meeting and a vote of contractors. Now, it's tempting to shovel blame towards the contractors for this vote. Uh, is it reckless? Possibly. Are they jeopardising patients' well-being? I would say that the, the decision they've taken does do that. Um, but I'm not going to blame contractors in Northern Ireland. Um, um, the reasons for their decision are, are, are plain, a lack of funding, increasing workforce pressures and making it harder for them to continue rolling out what you might describe as good we, goodwill or free services. Gerard Green, the community pharmacy Northern Ireland chief executive, said that the decision was not taken lightly. Um, but it is worth remembering that 97% of pharmacists, which is a pretty overwhelming uh, percentage, voted to close the service. Um, the CPNI said they wanted to prioritise commissioned and essential services ahead of non-commissioned services uh, because of mounting pressures and a lack of appropriate investment. And it's pretty hard to to argue with that, really. Um, now, we know community pharmacists all over the UK, quite frankly, and their teams frequently go the extra mile for their patients. They know We know that they provide services free of charge, out of simply out of the goodwill of their, of their hearts. Um, and this is one of community pharmacies' unique selling points, really, alongside the easy access of, of what they provide. Um, my instinct when I read the, the Northern Ireland vote was, good for you lot. You know, you've made a stand. You've said enough is enough. And without proper investment and because of increasing pressures, it's, 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 it's justified. Um, and pharmacists all over the UK shouldn't be doing things for free. They should be paid for their time and services. So this, this action does send out a very strong message. Do I think it will work? Um, that remains to be seen. Uh, my concern, if I if I have a concern, is that the, the message, the, what what message this sends out to not only the government but to the public, um, you know, it, it could be interpreted in one of two ways. It could be interpreted interpreted as support us so we can continue to provide this valuable service to our patients, or it might be interpreted as this is the kind of thing that we're prepared to do if we don't get what we want. Um, I hope it's not the latter, because the message here is that pharmacies in Northern Ireland simply cannot continue providing the service as much as they might want to. Um, there is a strong temptation, and I did find myself thinking this when I, when I read the story, to think that perhaps pharmacists, pharmacies in London, uh, in London, in England, or London as well, but in England, who have um, been pushed from pillar to post in recent years over funding cuts and advance payments and all the things that we know that pharmacies have gone through over, over, in recent years, that similar action could force a government here into a into a submission on, on, on some of these issues. Um, but rational thought says that that wouldn't happen. Um, it would do pharmacies more, in England more damage than good, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that. Um, after all, the, you know, the community pharmacy sector here has spent a lot of time and energy and money building up its profile and forging links with the, with the Department of Health and Social Care and NHS England 
um, and made great strides. And it would, I think, you know, this would be very damaging in England. But in Northern Ireland, um, I, I genuinely hope, and <laughs> whether it is whether I actually believe this or not, I'm not sure. But I, I genuinely hope that this is the right time for, for contractors in that country to say enough is enough. And I completely understand uh, Green's suggestion that pharmacists need to prioritise what he describes as core services, uh, dispensing of medicines, vaccinations, booster jabs, all these things, given the situation they find themselves in. So I'm, I've resisted temptation to put any blame onto contractors and by putting contractors into my bad week. My bad week uh, is for the Department of Health in Northern, Ireland, in Northern Ireland and the Health and Social Care Board for what's basically led to pharmacists and contractors having to take this really, really terrible decision. So it's over to you, those two organisations. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Uh, I was in Belfast over the weekend, actually. Fantastic city. Um, I've not been before and a wonderful time. But yeah, community pharmacists in Northern Ireland voting um, to stop providing medicines in compliance aids. Like you say, Neil, to to prioritise core services um, because workforce is so stretched. Um, Neil, was there any, did the department come up with any response over there that, that we're aware of yet? Well, I hadn't seen any response yet. This 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 took place um, just over a week ago. News emerged um, that uh, this vote had taken place, um, and certainly, unless unless they've responded <laughs> responded today at some stage, I ha- I haven't seen anything from the Department of Health um, or indeed the Health and Social Care Board as to you know how they've reacted to this. I would hope that um, you know they would react in a in a positive manner and 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 um, you know. As I said, that the hope is is that this won't be counterproductive. This will lead to some kind of, um, you know, agreement, if you like, to sort of support. Because it's a vital service, uh, the adherence medicines adherence service. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, slightly concerning that the department hasn't responded, but but like you say, um, you know, I can understand where contractors are coming from in in Northern Ireland. Um, enough's enough. Good question. Would would you see some, a situation happening um, in England? Not sure. Um, Arthur, what did you think of, of all of this? Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting story, certainly. And as Neil's summed up very well, um, the sort of key aspect of it are, you know, the sheer capacity issues in, in Northern Ireland pharmacies, but also on the flip side, you know, could could this action have ultimately have an impact on patients? But I was just, just wanted to say I'm sort of curious about where the relationship between um, contractors and the CPNI and um and government goes from here because there is obviously very uh, long running uh, serious funding issues in this sector in Northern Ireland. Um, you, you could say decades, possibly. And um, and at the beginning, just before the coronavirus pandemic in, in February last year, they actually voted to take industrial action. Um, it was that it wasn't um, announced at the time, sort of what what form that would take. But I guess we, we have an idea now with this with this act, action they're taking now. Um, but then during the pandemic, there seemed to be a kind of um, bit of a rapprochement. Um, the um, health minister Robin Swan seemed to become very uh, involved in 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 talks w- with the sector and to, to advocate for the sector. You know, against sort of issues like. Um, uh, like violence from, from for, or abuse from patients and so on, and and there were a few um, positive funding stories that came for, for pharmacy that came out from the from the pandemic last year. So um, yeah, just curious to see whether that sort of whether I mean what's gone on behind the scenes. A that the, that this um, 
uh, decision was 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 felt to be necessary by, by by contractors and and where it goes from here. Yeah, really, really good point, Arthur. The relations did seem on a on a slightly better state, didn't they? Um, as you say, just just after the pandemic. So I hope this isn't a, a sign that um, that things have deteriorated again. Well, we this will play out, obviously, and we'll. We'll keep um, we'll keep close tabs on it. All right. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Neil, for that. Um, I'll go next. I'll go for good week for the NPA, the Grand Ole Organisation. Now, as listeners will know, uh, it's the NPA's centenary this year, and it was my pleasure to attend a special uh, celebratory dinner last week at Apothecaries Hall in the City of London to mark this event. And now's not the time to do a clever riff on the split between apothecaries and chemists and druggists and the parallels between pharmacists and doctors. Today, I'll, I'll save that for another time. Um, but no, this, this dinner is a very grand affair. Um, Sajid Javid, the health secretary, was there, which was, uh, which was quite something, considering how busy he is. This was only last Wednesday, so pre-Omicron variant. Uh, a lot seems to have happened since. And the health secretary said some um, very nice things about pharmacy, as you would expect on an occasion like that. But what was notable about his speech, I thought, was that he again said he wanted more pharmacies to go directly, sorry, more patients to go directly to pharmacies and referred um, for the second time, I think, in in recent weeks uh, to expanding the CPCS into a kind of pharmacy first scheme. Um, like in Scotland, and he said this will help us beat the backlog and make sure that even more people can benefit from the brilliant care and advice available from pharmacies. So, I mean, this is great stuff, but I'm wondering, you know, is this official policy now? Because if it is, I wonder if anyone has told NHSE officials have they got the memo because they gave no indication that this was the case even as recently as the as the pharmacy show. Um, now, we've talked many times, haven't we, lads, uh, before about how clunky and how, well, frankly, how disappointing the CPCS is in England as currently structured. Uh, and at this point, it would be very remiss of me um, not to refer, refer listeners to Arthur's excellent story about the CPCS this week um, on Pharmacy Network News, which shows well, really how badly the CPCS has underperformed. And, and I think Arthur's going to talk a bit about this next. So uh, I won't steal his glory, but I will say good week and congratulations to the NPA on its 100th year. It's, it's no mean achievement and an occasion definitely worth celebrating a century of worthy and valuable support to independent pharmacy owners. Uh, incidentally, there was um, another speech given by Prince Charles uh, last week via pre-recorded video at the NPA dinner. And I thought he spoke very well and knowledgeably about pharmacy. And I I remarked on Twitter how well in, informed he appeared to be. And it got surprisingly large response on my timeline. I'd say about 80% roughly um, in favour. The other 20% said, well, he's not very well informed about homeopathy, is he? Which is, uh, I suppose, fair enough, touche. Um Pharmacy tweeters never let you get away with anything, do they? Uh, but that's me done. Uh, Arthur, over to you. I think you're going to talk about the CPCS, as I said. Um, good week or bad week? And I'm suspecting bad week. Yes, unfortunately, it is a bad week. Um, I apologise to our listeners in case this is a bit of deja vu. I do think I've spoken before about my uh, my views on the shortcomings of the Community Pharmacist Consultation Service. Um, but 
we have some pretty concrete data that shows just how um uh, just how poorly it performs in terms of pharmacy's bottom line, um, considering that this is supposed to be, you know, a flagship uh, service for pharmacies and sort of transformational. Um, but our figures don't seem to bear that out. Um, I asked NHS England through a freedom of entry, free, freedom of information request, um, how many um, referrals have been made and how many have been completed. Um, so we have about 1.4 million referrals in total since October 2019. That's across all three streams. And um, 980,000, or just over that, have been completed. Now, by my sums, that is about uh, 1,500 for the average pharmacy providing the service. Um, The most recent data we have from NHS BSA is that 9,284 pharmacies um, are actually signed up to provide the CPCS, so um, so this data suge- suggests that it's a, it's worth about seven hundred and fifty pounds a year to the average pharmacy when you consider the amount of uh, fanfare at the beginning and the amount of just finicky, annoying work um, dealing with referrals and so on that those pharmacies who are providing the service have had to do since um, since it began. Um, it's it's just uh, it just seems to be quite disappointing, um, especially when you compare it with um, Scotland, um, where obviously the the funding model is quite different, so it's different difficult to make a a direct comparison. But the fact is that a ph- pharmacy in Scotland providing the basic uh, form of pharmacy for Scotland, um, which isn't exa- isn't exactly the same as, as the the CPCS, but it's sort of a can, can, sort of can be taken as equivalent the average pharmacy gets um, a base payment a monthly base payment of 1250 pounds a month or two two thousand pounds a month if they provide the the full um uh the pharmacy first plus which is more sort of focused on pgds and so on um and then so on, and then on top of these base payments there is um uh, a monthly pool uh that that contractors get a share of depending on how many um how many pharmacy first consultations they've made so really it's um i mean as you said richard saji javid has has mentioned a couple of times that um that he he views the pharmacy first model as a you know positive example for england hopefully um but there seems to be a little bit of intransigence from nhs england i think they're really committed to this referral model and sort of i mean to be fair to them committed to making it work and they're taking on board that um that you know uh, that relationships between pharmacies and in general practice are sort of can be patchy in some areas and and they're keen to try and remedy that to see if it has an impact on the cpcs but i mean i just think if you look at i just think those numbers speak for themselves i think to be very frank i don't see how much how any degree of gp engagement is going to make it like just meaningful for 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 the average pharmacy to engage with just um you know, it uh, on the face of it now, it's not worth their time. And, you know, more importantly, is it worth the patient's time um, if it's been so little used, especially compared to, to Scotland, where there's been over uh, two million consultations in a, in, in a quite a bit shorter time frame? So um, I guess it remains to be seen. Uh, the ball is in NHS England's court, whether they're willing to review the referral model. It doesn't seem as though they are. So 
I guess we have to see, you know, are they going to get a directive from from the the health secretary, or are, or whether the um, the engagement, uh, despite my cynicism, whether whether engaging with GPs does have a, a have a significant positive effect on on numbers. Yeah, thank thank you, Arthur. Um, the comparison with um, with Scotland it seems to get worse. Um, seems to get worse by the by the month, doesn't it? But seven hundred and fifty pound per year to the average pharmacy um, is not great. And Arthur, you make you make such a good point. You know, we we we've talked about how clunky the service is and how kind of awkward it is to join join it all up. But of course, it's not convenient for the patients either. I mean, um, that's where it, it seems to go alright to me. Um, is it going to have a complete rethink? I don't know. It's how it's how does policy kind of form really in the government? Is it does it come from a directive or, as you say, Arthur is actually NHS England at the moment just concentrated on trying to get the the referral referral mechanism right? And I, and I do understand. You know, the thinking behind the CPCS is is about plugging pharmacy into the NHS, isn't it? And that's clearly a, a good thing. But the, to me, I agree with you, Arthur. The, the mechanic just isn't working and, and look at how well it's working uh, or be with a different model in Scotland. Um, Neil, do you want to come in on this? Yeah, I mean, Arthur mentioned cynicism. I don't think he's being cynical at all. I, I, I think he's spot on. And I, I think that, and as, as you've rightly said as well, uh, Richard, I, I think it's it's just not working. And the problem here, I think, is the government because you've got Sajid Javid, who's on a, more than one occasion talked about the um you know Scotland's pharmacy first model as a, as a potential template for England well I don't think it does any good to, to sort of go to dinners and and, and events and 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 release release these half-baked kind of statements you know alluding to this why not actually take the ball by the horns and actually have a firm policy on this um clearly the, the um the Department of Health don't have a firm policy on this the uh, uh, Javid is you know um Sort of you know, releasing these um, half-baked statements, and I and I think if it, it would help a great deal if they actually, um, you know, gave it more of a directive. Uh, my own view is I think that they should scrap the GP CPCS completely, um, and and allow why can't farm why can't patients self-refer to pharmacies w- without having to the nuisance of having to go through general practices practices or NHS one one one? Why not? Why not go straight to pharmacies? They should be able to. The, the service should be designed to allow farm, uh, patients to do that. And I think the problem isn't NHS England. NHS England are just doing what they what they think is the right thing to do. Uh, I'm not going to blame Ed Waller or anybody at NHS England, but I think they need a bit of direction. And I think the government are the only ones to do that. And the government, I know we've had Javid mentioning Pharmacy First, but they, they failed to, to give proper, clear parameters and guidelines. It's, it's in the government's uh, call, this ball. Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think I tweeted that, that maybe the time has come to scrap the CPCS. Um Arada had a lot of support. Um, I was, uh, if you can't, if the Secretary of State for Health can't direct something to happen, then I, I don't know how policy starts. But I think, you know, we just need to keep keep on at NHSE on this and keep testing the temperature because at the moment it does seem to be um, a, a bit of a, a disconnect. And I was, I was reminded, I think it was um, in Arthur's excellent story, as I say, that um, um, Alistair Buxton, was quoted and um, uh, PSNC, as Alistair said, had long called for a, a nationally commissioned walk-in minor illness minor illness service. Uh, and 
negotiations were, were abandoned by the NHS back in 2015 um, because of cost. And I think that's always the concern in England with, with a national minor ailment scheme, uh, the cost issue. But, you know, surely there must be some way around that so we can facilitate patient access to uh, to community pharmacies for minor ailments and keep a handle on the costs because, well, uh, at the moment, CPCS, I think we all agreed, just isn't working. And that's it for another week. My thanks to Neil and Arthur. Really enjoyed the discussion. All the Talking Pharmacy podcasts can be found on the Pharmacy Magazine website and from your usual podcast provider just search for talking pharmacy we'll be back again next week but for now from all of us thanks very much for listening (laughs) 